Hi, I'm Presence, I'm the host, and you're listening to the It Starts With Action podcast where we talk all about action. Whatever goal you might have, the only way to get there is to take action. Yeah, I know there are people out there who have goals who aren't taking action. And to me, action means so much more than just doing the thing. To me, action means being aware, confident, tenacious, having intention, being open, and living in the present, as in now. And you're about to listen to an amazing action taker, someone who isn't afraid to take action to get to where they want to be. And my goal for each episode is for you to increase your level of action. So let's get into the episode and don't forget to follow the podcast and leave a review after. Um, Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action and today I am super grateful to get to talk to Billy and you've done so many things. I listened to a few of your podcasts, you did economics, but then you decided it wasn't for you, so you did (laughs) the film. Um, And then you made a film about drug ecstasy if I remember correctly uh, worked in the like, green technology space and then Tesla and then decided well you we decided before that you weren't a corporate person so start your own thing called um, Insight Media so yeah um, just that was from what I know about you but it would be great to like hear from your end about like how it all started. Well what a great recap thank you for doing your homework and knowing my story I appreciate that. I think when it comes down to me as a human being and, and my journey, I think the through line is experiences and creating experiences that make a lasting impact. And so I just love doing something where there's a, a wow factor where somebody's going to walk away and say, wow, that was an amazing experience. And one of the things that I don't really talk about that much is when I left college, I immediately started throwing these ridiculously over the top New Year's Eve parties. We'd do one on, for example, on the roof of a hotel and it was a New York theme. And so we'd have the ball drop at the strike of midnight with like an animatronics ball. And this is in Los Angeles in a hotel. And we'd have snowblowers at, at the strike of midnight. I did a Times Square, which I did grass, fake grass all around the pool. And so, you know, I would take something that could have just been a party, could have just been a bunch of people getting together. And I, made it something that would be a lot more memorable than your ordinary average party. And so that sort of mindset is something that I've always done with whatever it is that I've been tasked to do. And so, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, I've gotten a chance to work for some uh, remarkable companies, disruptive companies like Tesla. And at Tesla, I led onboarding. And so my first job there was to create the new hire experience for anyone that starts in the organization. And so rather than it just being some boring, everyday, run-of-the-mill introduction to a company, I wanted to wow them. So we would do test drives and we'd literally get them into a, a Tesla and let them see and experience what it's like to be in these vehicles. We'd also do things like we would have uh, an immersive experience where they would get to touch and, and see and feel the facility. So we would do tours of the factory and they would get to see how the cars were built. And so, you know, what's amazing is when you get a chance to do something extraordinary and you, and you actually take advantage of that, people remember that. And so I think the lesson here is no matter what it is that you're doing, Think about how you could do it in such a way that it'll it'll make a lasting impression on the person who's experiencing it. I think all too often we live in a world where we do the bare minimum to get by and just enough, in my opinion, is not enough. And so I know some will argue with that and some will say, well, yeah, do just enough and, and then keep moving forward. 
I, I, I believe that you can do more than enough and get so much more out of something that could have just been average. And so I think the through line from my life is always remembering the person on the other end of that experience and thinking, what can I do to set whatever it is that I'm doing apart from other experiences they've had? And so that's been something that I've always focused on, no matter what it is that I've done. Mm. And what, have you had any, like, what would you say, what's the, like, someone else who had the biggest impact on you? Like, anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a lot. I think, you know, my dad, obviously parents, my mom, b- both of them had a major impact on me. And I think that's very true with most people. And I, I, I bring this up because I recognize that my gift is my attention to details. It's also something that I recognize has in some ways slowed me down. And my mom helped me with school projects growing up and I'll just tell you that like, we didn't, we didn't do your average school project. It was like, we went all in just like I have in life. And so, you know, book reports weren't normal book reports, science projects weren't normal science projects. And so what that taught me is that I can take something that other people are doing and make, make what I'm doing a lot uh, more memorable than what, what other people are doing. And so you know, that's the lesson that I learned early on is that don't, don't settle. And and it goes back to my first lesson, um, getting out of college, I knew I wanted to do something with my degree. And as you know, I started as a business major, I took an econ class and I didn't like it. So I started in film. And so what I learned early on in my filmmaking, my filmmaker journey is that it's about collaboration. You can't make a movie by yourself. You just can't. And so I would work closely with literally hundreds of people to see a common vision come to reality. And so you asked who some of my influences are. I'd say my influence are the people that I work with because each one brings something to the table. And I think one of the things that I have been fortunate enough to be able to do is to find what everyone's, I call it a superpower strength. What is that person's superpower strength? What is unique about them? And how can I, in some way, empower them or provide them with a vehicle to allow that to shine through? And so for me, the more people around me that are able to leverage and to flex that superpower strength, the more it benefits whatever it is we're working on, the project, the film, the experience, the training event, the podcast, you name it. And so I think that there's lessons to be learned from everyone. Everyone has a lesson. Everyone has a unique superpower, but we have to be receptive to it. And we have to use uh, emotional intelligence and we have to use awareness and be observant. I think we live in a world where there's so much noise out there that people have these they, they don't look at things in a very observant way. And so they're frankly, in a lot of cases, oblivious. And I think part of it comes down to pausing and taking time and not rushing through. I think we live in such a go, 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 go world that sometimes you need to hit the pause button. You need to take some time and you need to reflect and you need to look at what's around you and the people around you. And so, um, you know, I'd say people in general are, are, are people that I've learned from. And then 
in uh, in corporate world, uh, I, I learned from all of my mentors, all the people that I reported to. Each one gave me a different lesson, and some gave me lessons of what not to do, right? Like lead by example, yes, but also if they're doing something that, frankly, is not uh, something that I believe in, I'm going to take note and I'll adjust the way I approach going forward. And that helped me in leadership because I had lots of roles where I oversaw, you know, literally hundreds of people in my, in my career. And so when hundreds of people are counting on me to be a leader, I want to be the best leader I can be. And so I want to take leadership traits from each individual. And the more people that I can learn from and draw from the better overall leader I can be. Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, I think we just got to be open to all kinds of, of, of um, people and experiences that will help to really be a, a, a collection of who we end up becoming. Yeah, I really like the topic of leadership. Like to you, what makes a great leader? Mm, me too. I'm a big fan of leadership because ultimately leadership comes down to, uh, are you being followed? And what I mean by that is leadership is not a title. It's not, I have this position and you have that position. It's that I have demonstrated something that makes other people want to follow me. And if you go back evolutionarily speaking, if we were on the plains in some remote jungle or in the desert or wherever, and our life depended on us uh, surviving all the things that are around us, animals, plants, things that are could harm us, we want to follow somebody that we know will protect us, that we know ha has our best interests at heart. And I think that is absolutely what we want present day as well. We want somebody that's going to protect us, that has our best interests at heart. And so what makes somebody want to follow somebody else? And, and I, there's really two things. It's the interactions that you have and the decisions that you make as a leader. And so each interaction that you have with that other human being will help them decide and determine, do I want to follow that person? Do I want to do, do I want to follow me? Do I want to follow presence? Do I want to, do I want to follow the person I'm, I'm, I'm working with? Those interactions are really, really, really important. That's why if you're in a corporate setting, having regular one-on-ones with your direct reports and, and with doing skip level meetings with the people that report to your direct reports. And, and also with your peers, the more interactions that you can have that are positive, where you make it clear that you have their best interest at heart, you're going to be somebody people want to follow. And then the second thing are the decisions that you make. And so decisions that you make, they're not always going to be the best decisions, but if you do what most people don't do, which is take your time, and, and when I say that, I don't mean let a decision linger for a really long time, because I think there is something to be said for being decisive, but not decisive without thought. And what I mean by that is you have to take a few minutes to make sure that you're not being reactive to whatever it is that you're seeing in front of you. And so it could just be a few seconds, it could be a few minutes, or it could be a few hours. And it really depends on the situation. Once you make that decision, you have to make sure that you continue to believe in the decision that was made and that if you made a bad decision, okay, that happens. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't pretend it didn't happen. And don't be afraid to own up to it because you should be able to say, I've made a mistake. I made an error because sometimes the decision 
is the decision after that initial decision that was the wrong decision. And so I think a leader that has the humility and has the ability to say, I'm human, I make mistakes too, is a lot more likely to have other people want to follow that, that individual than somebody that makes decisions relentlessly without thought and then like a bulldozer just keeps moving forward without saying, oh, I haven't made a mistake. Those are the people that, that they don't want to be followed. Those are the people that are being talked about behind their backs because the people that work for them are frustrated and don't want to be around that person. Well, do you mind sharing a mistake you think you made? Um, mm. as a leader like what are the common mistakes you think leaders make well yeah i mean i think we all we all have made plenty of mistakes and so i would say my mistake is not uh not taking time you know to be with people there's been p- times where i have been really busy and then some of my team has been neglected and i think that's never good i mean there what's sacred to me is time with my team And so there have been instances where I've gotten so tied up with what I was doing that as a result, my team didn't get as much time from me. So I think that's always an issue. Um, I also think that, you know, when you're working on big projects, um, it can be complex and it can have a lot of personalities. And when that happens, I, I am a very much a go big or go home type of person. Like I, I want to do things big, better. And that's both one of the greatest traits and assets that I have. It's also one of the biggest liabilities. And so I think for me, recognizing when I've gone sort of off the reservation, so to speak, and gone too far one direction and trying to, I'll say, billify it, which is, that's my name. Like I, I go too into making it this extravagant experience, experience, um, I need to listen to those around me to pull me back um, within reason because I don't, I don't want to change my DNA and change what makes me unique and what's afforded me the opportunities to have big positions with big companies. But I also recognize that it can be an Achilles heel. And so to you know, action steps, I know you're big on action steps. And so for me, having people in your life that can point to blind spots that aren't afraid to tell you that you have gone too far one direction and that won't be worried that by them giving you this honest and blunt feedback, you're going to somehow not appreciate it or not want to hear it. So I think those people in your life are critical. And you, because self awareness isn't just about you being a self aware, it's about bringing people into your life that will help you become even more self aware. No, I completely agree. Like when I, I, I have some friends and I tell them, you know, if I do something that they see is wrong, be completely honest. It's these close friends that are, you know, they know that they can bash you and you will, you know, that they won't, that you won't take it seriously and you appreciate their honest opinion. That's how you, yeah, I agree. That's how you improve. So that's the, those are the best friends you can have. And so, yeah, I mean, bring, keep those friends in your life and, and let them know feedback is a gift. So, so often people think that feedback is this thing that we're worried to get. And, uh, you know, here's another action step. Tell people all the time that you love feedback, that you welcome it, and that you want it. If you're in a company and you're in a leadership role, create a culture of asking for feedback. Because what's not healthy is when everybody's giving feedback unsolicited, meaning that you work in a place and everyone's 
criticizing everything. Like that doesn't work very well. On the other hand, if the if you flip the script and if everyone's asking for feedback, they are prepared for that feedback mentally and they know it's coming. And so they're a lot more equipped to take that feedback with the way it's intended versus if everybody is sort of saying this is wrong and that is wrong, that creates a little bit more of a hostile environment where it feels like, um, you know, I, I'm just being criticized. And so I would say everybody that's listening, if you can embrace feedback in your lives and you do it consistently and you let those around you, either through work or your friends, know how much it means to you, you will evolve at an exponential rate when compared to those who are afraid or intimidated or scared of feedback and don't welcome it. So completely welcome feedback into your life. Yeah, I agree. So like what kind of habits, like, cause I, I, I remember watching kind of Elon Musk's tip videos. He mentioned about like always asking for negative feedback, not positive feedback, if I remember correctly. It's so, like for you, do you have any specific like habits or like mindset mm. that really, you know, you think helped you get to where you are today? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I had the unique opportunity to be at a level at Tesla, director level role. There's only 200 directors in the company where I got a chance to be on conference calls with Elon. Not many people can say that. And what I learned from that experience is Elon asks a lot of questions. And I think that is a common theme that I see with all successful people. They ask a lot of questions. Even Donald Trump, okay? And I'll just be blunt. I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but if, if you listen to him, he asks a lot of questions. He may not listen, okay, as well as some, but he asks a lot of questions. And, and I know this because I actually heard a dinner audio recording at the White House and I listened to him ask questions. He would ask a lot, a lot of questions. And the same thing with Elon. And again, politics aside, when you listen to Elon, he will ask very specific targeted questions. And so I think getting in a habit of asking targeted questions that will help inform your decisions, going back to that principle that I said, Followship is based on the decisions you make and the interactions that you have. And so decision-making happens at its highest level when it's an informed decision. Mm -hmm. Informed decisions are very difficult to arrive to if we don't ask enough questions. And so you have to have the humility to say you don't know everything about everything. Even Elon Musk, when he gets in the weeds and wants to understand how a vehicle is being delivered, he's not on the ground. You know, he'll go to the delivery hub and he's been to the delivery hubs that I've worked at um, because every, every quarter, the whole company helps to get vehicles in the hands of the customers. And so what I remember from his calls is the questions that he asked and how specific he would get. The other thing I remember is his expectations. And so you talk about habits. You know, I think anyone that's successful, whether that be Steve, jo and when I say successful, I mean that are, that are thought leaders of a generation. And I'm talking about people like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Richard Branson. These are people that have extraordinary expectations. They believe that anything is possible. They truly believe this. And it's that kind of mindset. It's a habit in and of itself. And so when he asks these questions, 
you, you better have a, a really good answer and it better not be an excuse. And so I, I'm not a big believer in excuses. In fact, when I was a kid in high school, I'd have on the bottom of my hat, it said, no excuses, no regrets. And what that taught me at a very young age is that it's really easy to make up scenarios as to why you can't or shouldn't do something. But instead, how about coming up with ideas and ways of being able to do something? And so for Elon, for Richard, for Steve, all of these guys, they had a extraordinary expectations of what they felt their team should be capable of doing. And so when Elon asked these questions, if the answer wasn't what he liked, honestly, that person's job was at risk. And so I tell you this because I think it's important to remember that, you know, it's not always easy to be working for and with these generational leaders. Elon Musk, he's not a perfect human being, but what he did, what other people don't do is he would ask difficult and specific questions, and he would have super high expectations. And with that, he would be able to make decisions to allow the company to thrive. And so, you know, a, a, a couple other habits that that I think have helped me, and I'll tie this back to Tesla because I think people are really interested in this, is this idea that, that, and again, Elon teaches this, and I think it's a really fascinating point. It's something called first principles thinking. And what this is, is it's boiling things down to their fundamental truths. And when I say that, what I mean is we often think that we reason <clears throat> by analogy, meaning we look at, okay, this car, the car has been, been invented for a hundred plus years. Therefore, other cars should follow this same mold. And what Elon does and what he trains and teaches is that we shouldn't assume that it's been done the right way before just because it already exists. We should think that there are fundamental truths. These are things like the law of physics that we know to be true. And we, we just know that that's a truth. But most things, they're not. And so if we reason using analogy, we're just basing what we're doing on incremental improvements over what's being done before. And he says we shouldn't do that because sometimes if we had to reinvent the bike, the bicycle, we'd probably come up with something a lot more innovative and creative than saying, okay, here's the bikes that exist. Therefore, we just need to like make a small improvement on that existing bike. Instead, what he suggests is put all that aside and say, what if we were to build this from the ground up, knowing what we know is the, the, the only things that prevent us from doing something, which are the laws of physics. That's first principles thinking. And that will help anyone that's listening to this call create something that maybe hasn't been invented before or reimagine something in a way that is completely different than what's happened before. And so that's not to say that you can't look at other things and, 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 and look at it as, um, you know, ideas and, and pull, pull things from it, but you shouldn't limit it to just that. You should look at things from the ground up. And I think that's a really good habit to have as you think about how to solve problems is that you're looking at it from a first principles mindset. And how have you applied it in your life, in your business? Oh, so many ways. So I think for a podcast, so one of the people that I interviewed on my podcast was this woman named Liz Wiseman. And she wrote a book called Rookie Smarts. And so conventional wisdom would say that the more experience you have doing something, the better you'll be. And what her book actually says is that when somebody is a rookie, meaning they're new to something, they're going to ask more questions. They're going to involve more people. They're going to be more willing to make mistakes. 
They're going to learn from their mistakes faster. And so actually studies show that people who have a rookie mindset, somebody that's new to something, they're a lot more likely to, to achieve extraordinary results than somebody that doesn't. And so for me, my podcast is something that I did. Honestly, I've been learning as I'm going, but I've also made a lot of mistakes. And so I think with, with anything that you do, you have this ability to say, okay, I'm going to approach this. I, yeah, I, can, I can still learn from other people, but what if I was doing this from the ground up? So the podcast has been an example. My film has been an example. Um, and then working in training, I constantly had to figure things out because I did not have training experience. So my first job, it, quote unquote, career oriented job was in sales. And so I would go to people's homes and I would, I would explain to them how solar could benefit them, save them money. And I did really well because it, it came down to gaining trust and just being a human being. And I think anytime somebody says they can't do sales, I say, well, you can't be a human being then. And sales is just relating to people. Sales is just being normal and having authenticity and carrying on a conversation in an organic and genuine way. And what I, what I, when I had that success, my company gave me the ability to start training. And when I started training, I had to figure out like, how do I train people? I didn't have experience in training. And so I had to invent what the training looked like. And so rather than go read a ton of books on the subject, which I could have done, I said, what would I want? What would make the most sense for me? And I, frankly, I don't want to be in a boring corporate training. I want something that's fun and exciting. And so I instinctually knew that I wanted to create something that would not be a boring corporate training. So what I did was I created things like games. So we did an American Idol game where I'd get people in front of the room and then have to do their sales pitch in front of judges. And so these judges was like Randy, Randy, Paula, and Simon, because that was the, those original judges on American Idol. And we would give real-time feedback on how they did. And so this was a lot more engaging than another way we can do it. Or we did what we called the family feud. And so at the end of the week, throughout the week, they got all this knowledge. And at the end of the week, we would test that knowledge by doing a fun activity where we'd put one side of the room against the other side of the room and say, okay, let's test your knowledge. And we'd ask these questions. There was music playing. And it was this really fun experience. And so if I read some textbook on how to do training, it may not give me those games. It may say do activities, but it's not going to give me those activities. And so when I use first principles thinking, I said, I I'm building this from the ground up. What would I want? And so I just like think outside the box and the list goes on and on. I mean, there's so many different things that I've been able to do as a result of my job or as a result of my now business that I said, I'm not going to take conventional wisdom as the standard. I'm going to say, what can I do that's going to make what I do stand out from everything else? Yes, that's inspiring. So, like you said, you were wasn't like a corporate person; like you fell into sales. Mm. So, would you wish you started earlier? Or that's a good question. So, I, as I said, I don't live my life with regrets. I I feel like everything that's happened has happened for a reason, and I am where I am today because of everything that's happened before. Yeah. And so, no, I don't. I mean, honestly, my twenties were amazing. I traveled all over the world. I yeah, made a movie. I mean, what's that? I think you remember you said that you went to 40 countries. Yeah, I've been to, so I'm 43. I've been to 42 countries. If it weren't for wow. COVID, I would be on pace with 
matching the number of years with with uh, the number of countries I visited. But when I was in my twenties, I mean, I traveled all over. I went, to, I did, you know, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Thailand. I mean, Japan. I mean, you name it. Israel. I lived in London. So, so you know, I I wouldn't trade what I did in my twenties for anything because college taught me a lot about interpersonal communications, building relationships, gave me some knowledge in the film filmmaking world, but I learned humanity through traveling. I learned different cultures, I learned different ways of life. I learned that the world is not in this bubble of America which too many Americans frankly speaking believe. And so the world is so much bigger than where I was raised. And so by going and experiencing this, that was the best education I could have ever asked for. And so I spent seven years making my movie. And the, the seven years that I spent making my movie, part of that, and, and during that, I did do so, I did a lot of travel, but that was an experience that helped to pave the way for all the stuff that I'm doing now with video and production and podcast and understanding the nuance. And it gave me a really important lesson in collaboration. So I wouldn't trade any of that because when I was done making the movie and the film got distribution, it, we went to multiple continents. We we showed at the Portobello Film Festival in the Portobello uh, in, in London, and we showed in Australia and Germany. I mean, all over the place. And so all those are experiences that helped to to make me who I am, and it, and it really prepared me for the corporate journey that I took in my thirties. And so. Film in my 20s, corporate in my 30s, and now this part of my journey, which is I really do love this medium that we're on now, which is asking questions, learning about people, learning about their story, getting actionable insights from them that I could apply in my life. Because if I can learn from other people, I'm, I'm really, and if I can help other people learn from other people, I'm paying it forward and I'm helping to exchange knowledge, which we do live in a, a time in history where knowledge is the currency of the day. Mm -hmm. and, and the more we can leverage the knowledge that exists out there, uh, I think the more uh, opportunities will all be afforded. Yeah, I agree. So like, cause can you talk a bit about your company insight media? Is it about kind of, you know, giving people like insights and like you have also yeah. really like podcasts as well insight out that's also really interesting yeah yeah happy to talk so originally i like most podcasters i didn't know exactly what my podcast should be i i knew it was going to be something where i would interview people that i admired and respected and thought would have an interesting story to tell and so the idea that i had was i want to take these people who are interesting and i want to uncover insights from their life that have been life-changing, like what happened in their life that helped to make them the human being that they are today. And so I did that for the first 50 episodes. And what I realized is, as interesting as that was, I wanted to get really granular and specific talking about the insights. And the people are interesting, and I don't want to discard their stories, but I want the show and I want the focus to be on the insight itself. So now... I focus on thought leaders, New York Times bestselling authors, people still people that have done extraordinary things, but I'm I'm laser focused on what is the insight and how could it be applied in the lives of the people that are hearing about it. 
And so, you know, today I just released this this episode from Brendan Kane. He wrote One Million Followers. It's a really interesting book about the concept of how do you gain followers quickly in a noisy world? And he has a, a whole strategy that he outlines and, and he also interviews other people. And so, I mean, this episode is chocked full of insights, of valuable nuggets that people can apply in their lives. And that's my mission is to provide insights that people can actually use in their own lives to do whatever it is that they choose to do. It could be they could be in corporate. It could be that they're an entrepreneur. It could be that they are a podcaster like me. And so I have different themes. I mean, some are on meditation, some are on you know mindfulness, some are on creating videos, some are on creating content. I mean, and the, the titles really articulate what the core value of the episode is. Um, but I, I, I like the, the pivot that I made after episode 50. The other pivot that I made is starting a new show called For the Love of Podcast, mm, which is a, a podcast of po- about podcasts and how to make the mission is helping podcasters make better podcasts. And so I interview people like Jordan Harbinger, people like the founders of major companies like Kevin Finn, who started Buzzsprout. I just interviewed Mark Asquith, who started Rebel Base Media. Um, you know, a lot of people in the in the podcast hall of fame and i and i asked them what sets apart a good podcast from an exceptional or extraordinary podcast what are those things that differentiate the kind of run of the mill podcast from a podcast that really is one that will and and has a, a large audience and is has loyal listeners and so dissecting that and serving that up to my audience is providing value because now Anyone that's a podcaster can listen to this show to, to, to for the love of podcast and say, I will be a better podcast as a result of learning from these, these people that have been down the path that I'm going down. Um, and so the, the last thing that I'll share is my big term, my big picture vision for where I'm taking this is to help other podcasters make podcasts. And so I am working on a business. I haven't officially made the announcement yet, but I'll give a, a general idea. I won't share the name just yet. But I'm helping podcasters, people that either are businesses or individuals, produce and market their market their podcast from start to finish, A to Z. And so, you know, for anyone listening that is in that space that they want to start a podcast, there's tons of people out there that can help you. And I and I want to be one of those people as well that that do support and help this industry because I think podcasting is such a amazing medium because it allows us to passively learn where somebody could be driving, they could be doing their dishes, they could be running, they could be working out, you name it. But because of this medium where we can talk to somebody on a very intimate nature and listen to these words, um, and then they could listen to our words, um, we're able to share information in a way that previously hasn't been as accessible, like on-demand content that you get with a podcast yeah i agree like before it was video and now it's audio sometimes like i ask you what's next do you think like what's Mm. the next level to podcasts yeah well i think the next level is um making podcasts easier to discover and easier to access so what i what i think will happen is the internet of things is real and what i Look over to my right. I see my Alexa, and it'll probably say yes. 
uh, signed up. I'm going to be able to access anything and everything through voice. So I think voice activation will be the future where everything we want, we can just say, you know, we want our car, we want our coffee, we want something to be made for us. We want to go here or go there. And we want to listen to things. We want this knowledge. So I think somebody who's really savvy that listens to this, I think getting really, really educated on the power of voice activation and the power of being able to um, leverage that will will win. And so I I think with podcasting, there's news briefings, there's short, I, I think long form interviews are great. And I do long form interviews like this, but what's even more valuable or what will get listened to more are short bite-sized pieces of content that are in the neighborhood of one to five minutes. Um, and the more of that, that we create, you create, I create, and we make it super easy for people to access, um, the more we're going to share and disseminate information quickly through things like smart speakers, um, or other mediums that will allow, um, things to be shared quickly. So a question I ask everyone on the podcast is what does their next best version of themselves look like and how do they plan to take action to get there? Hmm. Great question. So I think the next best, best version of myself is not trying to do everything myself. Mm. And I think a lot of people have this problem, yeah. myself included, where we either by choice or by circumstance, we assume that in order for something to be done the way we want it, we have to do it ourselves. And, or we don't take the time to delegate and to get people who are highly qualified to support what it is that we want to do. And somebody shared this on my show and I really like this approach is it's, I think, think of it like you're Steve Jobs. Would Steve Jobs have had the success that he had if it was just him? Of course not. Apple wouldn't be what it is today if it were just him. He leveraged the power of brilliant people to make Apple the company that it is. And so, you know, I absolutely feel like the best way to achieve extraordinary things is to collaborate with extraordinary people and to get them to do the thing that they're most extraordinary at doing. And so for me, my future state is to do just that. And I, I had the opportunity to do that a lot in the corporate environment, because let's face it, when you work at Tesla, it's not easy to get a job there. I mean, it's harder to get into Tesla than it is at Harvard. So the people that work there, they're amazing people. They're extraordinary. And I got to work with some of the smartest people on the planet when I worked there. And so as I start my, my new business, which has only been in existence for a year, I, I know that, you know, getting started, it takes some time, but part of it is I need to surround myself with brilliant people and allow them to shine. And I'm a big believer in this concept of shine, which is we all have that it factor. We all have that fire inside of us that makes us special. We all have that thing that is a, a, a thing that makes us illuminate. It's a thing that makes us, when we enter a room, like everyone turns to us because we... We are doing something that we love and we are 
using our superpower strength in a way that others uh, will take note of. And so what I want to be my future self is to help as many people around me shine as possible, both through my business, through my podcast business, through my podcast and through the listeners. And so if I can help people through all of these different vehicles, find their shine, find that it factor, find that thing that separates them and help them have that shine through, then I've done what I want to do. Then I become the person that that I want to be. And that, that I feel like I'm starting to do that more and more. And every day I get better. And, and I think you, you can only compete with yourself. I think all too often people play the comparison game to everyone that has a different story, a different background, a different experience, different goals, different everything. How can you possibly compare yourself to all those people when the only person you could really compare yourself to is yourself? And I think getting better every single day should should be the, the competition we should be having, not anything else. Yeah, I agree. It's a question I ask myself every day. Like, did I go to bed a better version of myself? Or not? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I hope I don't mind. Uh, like for like my listeners, are, I guess like yeah, many are like kind of young. So when they hear like, oh, Tesla, Google, Microsoft, all these like big companies, do you mm-hmm. have any tips for them who are interested to, you know, achieve like a job or a role at these like large companies? Uh, Yeah, I do. I have, I have a lot. Um, so here's what I'll say is I think working for a game changer company, like the ones you've mentioned has huge benefits. And I think that you get to work with extraordinary people. You get to work on extraordinary projects and you, um, have the ability to, grow as a human being. And so I would never advocate, and I'm not one of these people, even though I'm not a corporate guy, I would never advocate for somebody avoiding that if they think that's the right place to be. Um, I think like most things, people get into roles because of people, not because of what they've done, not because of who they are, but because of who they know. And so the number one advice I would give is focus on the relationships around you first. And so you you all have heard most likely that you are a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. And so, yes, that is true. But I think beyond that is when you are intentional about who you're interacting with and about who you build friendships and rapport with, that will afford you many more opportunities than if you don't pay attention to it. And so the reason that I had the success that I had is because of the people who got to see my work. And so, you know, at my first corporate job, it was the the vice president of sales. He really liked what I did. He kept on giving me more positions. I ended up becoming the vice president of sales. At Solar City, I put on these trainings that blew people away that had the the things that I mentioned, the American Idol, the Family Feud. And so the chief revenue officer of the company said, I want to promote you. And so I got to lead all of sales training for the company uh, because of that. So then flash forward to Tesla, I ended up hitting it off with the head of training, a guy named Ben Putterman, who's a fantastic guy. He actually worked at LinkedIn for a while. And because I took the time to build that relationship before Tesla even bought Solar City, because I worked at Solar City and then Tesla bought Solar City, I had lunch with him. I developed rapport with him. I developed a relationship. And so he thought of me to run the onboarding program. And so the number one advice I have is focus on the relationships first. 
You can't ignore that. You are not going to get a job that's worth anything based on a resume. Resumes are needed. They're important, but don't think that they're that important. They are a, they are a, a small sliver of what is important. What's far more important are the relationships you build. The second thing I would suggest is whatever you do, make sure the right people see what you're doing. And so in a humble way, figure out ways that that could get in front of the right people. And so if you're doing things at a company that you feel showcase your awesomeness, your, your, your secret superpower, don't be afraid to let that shine through. And I think all too often people are afraid to showcase what they're doing. And it could just be that you're excited and you have this exuberance and and enthusiasm of, of what you're doing. And so if that's the case, people will be very accepting of you sharing it. They're not going to think you're doing it in a braggadocious way. You're, you're doing it because you're excited about it. Or maybe you just want feedback on it. Or maybe you want to make sure you're doing it the right way. There's any number of approaches you can take to showcasing what it is that you're doing. So start with the relationship. Then don't be afraid to share what you're doing. And the last piece is, you know, ask for what you want and let it be known what you want. I think too often people don't make it clear what they're going after. And that could be something that you have as a strategic planning session with your boss where you say, you know, is it okay if we talk about, um, you know, my career development or is it okay for us to talk about what the future looks like? And then with your direct, the person that you're reporting to, you map out what it is you want to achieve. And, and some of this comes down to, do you have the right boss? And if you don't, then you have to figure out how do you get the right boss? Because I've been fortunate that I've had some great bosses, some not so great bosses, but I always figured out how to have a great boss and how do I ha- how do I have a boss that will help me in my career? So that, you know, in my thirties that I had a director level role for a massive organ, you know, multi-billion dollar organization. Well, the way I did that is I met the right people I let them know when I was doing extraordinary things and I wasn't afraid to ask for what I want. And now I'll say, I did never ask for a raise. I did never ask for a promotion, but I did let people know what I was interested in. And so that doesn't mean you can't ask for a raise or you can't ask for a promotion, but I think there's nuance to it. I don't think you overtly say, can I be promoted? You got to demonstrate what it takes to be promoted. And then you have to put yourself in that position that they will take action and actually promote you. And so those are the three tips. The, the last thing I'll leave the audience with uh, on this question is you are in the driver's seat. You get to pick where you want to work. It's not the other way around because they're not going to find you unless you are intentional. And so do you want to work for Facebook? Do you want to work for Microsoft? Do you want to work for Tesla? The world is your you know, playground. You get to choose. Too many people think it's left up to chance. Who's going to pick me? No, you get to pick. So completely change your perspective on what it is that you want. If you want to work for Tesla, you can. If you want to work for Microsoft, you can. But you need to know and have a strategy to go about doing that. LinkedIn is levels the playing field. Anyone that works at any one of these companies is on LinkedIn. So you got to find somebody that you could become friends with and showcase why, why they should help you get an interview, why they should help you get a job. And part of that is looking at the jobs that exist, figuring out what will be the best fit for you. Are you somebody that you want to be in learning and development? Do you want to be in HR? Do you want to be in sales? Do you want to be in marketing? Do you want to be 
what do you want to do? And so figuring out what you want to do and who you want to work for and then go after it. Don't wait for it to come to you. You go out and you find what you want. You architect what you want through your actions. And if you just sit there and wait for things to come to you, you're going to get the average of the average. But if you go out and you seek out what you want, you can find any job you want with any company you want. I guarantee it, provided you have the tenacity and you have the willingness to get out of your comfort zone and spark up conversations with people that work for these companies or even people that have worked for these companies. For people who are afraid to reach out, people who, I, before the podcast, I could not hop on a phone. I would be so scared to reach out to people, but I use the podcast as an opportunity to learn, to grow and like get out of that. But like for people listening who you know have this like vision of working at these big companies, but are shy, are like, you know, not really just don't know how to go about meeting people. What tips would you have for them? Well, I, I, first of all, I recognize that that is a real legitimate concern and I don't want to downplay that being legit. Here's what I'll say is you don't need to get on a phone call to start. Um, that's one you, you, you start the conversation, um, through many different means. It could be that they've made a post on LinkedIn. It could be that you send them a, a connection request and I, you could play the slow, the slow game. You don't need to go in and instantly say, can I take a meeting with you? In fact, what you want to do is build rapport through ongoing conversation. And I think any number of ways that could happen, I think LinkedIn is the easiest way for that to happen. Um, but think about that person and how you can provide value to them. If there's somebody that's active on LinkedIn, for example, you provide value by engaging in their posts. If there's somebody that's not active on LinkedIn, but you know that they have an interest or something that they are passionate about, maybe you can ask them about their interest or their passion because you see you know, that they volunteered somewhere or you see that they had a certain position. And I think humility goes a long way. If you say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm new. I'm. I, I've just got out of university, or I. I'm super intrigued by the HR space, or by cybersecurity. Do you mind if I, you know, ask you a question? And the question doesn't even need to be, you know, over Zoom or over a phone call. It could be you could ask questions that way, and that'll help build some confidence because the more you know them, the more you'll feel comfortable talking to them. Now, that's one way. The other way is to practice. Confidence is a result of preparation. And the more prepared and the more you practice something, the more confident you'll be to execute. And so it could be that you need to practice with the people in your life. It could mean that you start with people that you're less nervous talking to. Maybe there are people that you've worked with in the past. Maybe there's people in your university. Maybe they're, who knows, maybe it's family. But the more you do it, the better you get. And so maybe the, the practice is asking them questions about how you can better interact with people that are higher ups at companies. It could be anything. And so I think preparing yourself that way. And then the, the last thing I'll say in, in this regard is, you know, often we're nervous unnecessarily. We create things in our head that cause us to feel worried that we're being judged, that we're going to say the wrong thing, that we're not going to know what to say. And so 
going back to the preparation, if we know what we're going to say, if we have those questions prepared, your, your confidence probably gets raised when you have, when you know what questions you're going to ask, when you know who, what you're going to say to that person, same holds true with having these conversations with people within these organizations. And so the better prepared you are, the less worried or nervous you'll be. And the way you get to that point is by knowing that person really, really, really well. So anyone that listens to my podcast know I do a ton of research. I spend five to 10 hours per guest researching them to understand what they're all about. And so if you're going to meet with somebody who's an executive at an organization, likely they have enough of an online presence that you could know a lot about them. You know where they went to school. You know what jobs they've had. You know if they post content. You know if they have any videos. You know if they've been interviewed. You know all of this data that's out there. Well, be a sponge and gather as much of it as you can and then write out questions that you have that you're curious about. That will, I think, have you your, your inhibition and your fear go down dramatically because now you are prepared to ask questions that will allow you to not think about the fact that, oh, you're talking to a director, a VP, or a CEO, whoever you're talking to, then it becomes less of a concern because now you're more focused on, I want to get these questions answered because I am genuinely curious about this person. So recognize that fear is real. It exists. It's a trait that's been passed down generation to generation to protect us, but we don't need fear in most cases like we did when we were worried that a lion might eat us. We don't need that fear anymore. So expel that fear from your head and remember they're just a human being and they just want the same thing you want, which is to be happy, to connect with other human beings and enjoy the life that they're living. And when you remember that, you're going to be a lot less likely to have that fear. Mm, yeah, I agree. So what would you say is your biggest fear now? Final question. Um death. Uh, honestly, I think the reason death is my biggest fear is because I have a lot more I want to do. And I, I also have an eight-year-old son. And so I, I think anytime you get to be in your mid, like I am mid forties, you start thinking about mortality you start thinking about the fact that there are only so many days left in my life, I may have had more life behind me than I have in front of me. And so the reason why I think about this and the reason why I mention this now when you ask this question is I have a choice every single day of what I do. Now I could sit and watch TV, watch Netflix and just chill, or I could choose to take, to take action and do the things I want to leave a legacy. And so for me, my legacy is the impact that I leave on other human beings. It's not the amount of money I make. It's not the, all the jobs that I've had or the movie that I've made. It's the lives that I've impacted, sure, by doing some of those things and by what I'm doing now. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of not having any more time left in my, in my tank of time because I feel like I'm just getting started and I feel like there's so much more to my story. And so even though that's a fear that I have, I recognize that I can do something every single day to make that fear a non-issue. Because if I leave it out there on the field every single day, and if I give it my all, and I do everything in my power to 
leave that kind of legacy where I'm not remembered for a year or five years or 10 years, but where I'm remembered for 100, 200, 300 years um, because of the impact, the lasting impact that I've given, then death becomes less scary. But I still feel like I'm just in the early, early stages of what I'm doing, especially in this new realm. And so I want to make sure that I have plenty of game left, plenty of time left on the clock to do and impact as many lives as I possibly can. Yeah, I agree. I nearly died when I was 14. So that like impact has just like got me thinking, you know, even mm-hmm. though you're young, even like whatever age you are, you have no control over, you know, just like you know, how unpredictable life is. Um, and so, yeah, don't take every day for granted. Like you never know what can happen. So just say I totally agree. And I heard your story and, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, something that many, many, many people have battled in, in that same way with what you battled with. And you can tell your story because you've, you've gone through it and you've, you felt what that was like to be near death. Um, and, you know, I think so many people, sadly, especially now we live in this social media world where people are... Um, and I, and I don't know if this is specifically what you're talking about, um, uh, but you mentioned it in the past, you know, is that you're talking about the anorexia? Yeah. Yeah. And so your, your journey going through that is, it's not unique to you. And I don't know all the specifics. So, you know, forgive me for not knowing your entire story. But what I'll say is you, you now have the ability to empower and impact people that are in that same situation that you were in when you were 14. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really important thing to, um, to be able to talk about because you have, um, you've, you've, you've been there. And when, when people realize that you've been there and you could help them by explaining how you got through it. And, and I know it, I'm sure it wasn't easy. Um, but other people will learn from that and will, will hopefully, um, be impacted by your story and you being able to say, all of the things that that you were able to do to to get to the to, to that other side, and sadly, because I mean, social media has so many positive benefits, but let's be honest about it: the world of the selfie has made our appearance, our image, and how we uh, associate self worth with the way we look, um, and then it, it, and then it causes so many other, you know, that's being one, but there's mm-hmm. so many other, uh, things that it can cause. And so I think you have a choice. I have a choice. People that have had experiences in their life, we have a choice to pay it forward and to, and to empower other people to be the best version of themselves they can be, despite what the outward, um, images that, that we're fed every single day. Those are just things that, you know, that exist, but that doesn't mean that's how we have to base our life. That's how we have to go about doing what we do on a daily basis. So I applaud you for sharing your story, for being open enough and vulnerable enough to let it out. And I don't know how often you do, uh, but I know, I know, you know, when I said, I listened to the episode that I listened to, I know you talked about in that episode. And I just, I think that takes some courage that takes some Mm -hmm. guts. So good for you for being able to do that. Yeah, no, thank you. I believe that it wasn't like, some like I guess a tip for I don't know for me because I used to not be able to just like talk like just talk in general it's, it wasn't until I talked about like the vulnerable like basically shared my most 
my biggest insecurity once I talk, like it's my hair like I have alopecia which um, basically I lost all my hair um, but that helps me with um, like letting go of control and helped me with, with like, recovering from anorexia in a way but like it wasn't until I told like people close to me like my new friends like my biggest insecurity um, and then like realized you know I said it so like there's nothing people can say to me that's gonna like put me down because like the thing I was scared the most to tell someone I, I just said it all out mm. so there's nothing else that anyone can tell me and that would affect my self-esteem um, and so I feel like once I got that out of the way I can just talk freely about anything and not feel like you know, anxious or worried about it. Uh, brilliant I mean it's such a great tip because I think we hold on to the things that we're most scared to reveal but when we reveal them and put them out into the universe then there's there's nothing more where our armor is is that much stronger because we no longer have the the fear of this thing that is kind of looming over us and this insecure thing that we're insecure about so amazing amazing and i total excuse me i totally agree with you on the the benefit of doing that and i think more people can benefit if they are willing and open enough to allow themselves to let go of the things that that we are afraid people might know about us. Yeah, I think it's always we always make it like way bigger than it actually is. In the end, people just care about themselves. It's so true. We we think people are always looking at us, but they're always just thinking about themselves. It's so yeah. true. Very very true. Yeah, but um. One last question because I remember I'm really interested in like when you said like universe it just reminded me oh law of attraction because uh, I remember you mentioned it on your like one of your podcasts and so like um do you have any like story I, I just I love listening to like law of attraction stories so just curious mm, so law of attraction story I know like if you're because like you said you've been so in, so, so yeah I mean here's so if you've seen the secret yeah yeah so when I saw the secret. I was dating my wife and we saw it together on Christmas, uh, the day after Christmas. This is like, I think the second time we saw it, but we saw it. And what I realized is she's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And later that day we took a walk and I proposed to her. It wasn't planned. I didn't have a ring. I just proposed to her. And I think sometimes that we have to have, we, we put barriers in front of us and conditions that need to be met. Oh, I need to have the perfect way to propose. I need to have the perfect ring. I need to have all these different things that we somehow concoct or formulate in our brain as the perfect conditions. There's no such thing as perfection. Perfection is a, a fallacy and something that is not something that we actually can get because it's subjective. I mean, you can be perfect on a math test, but that's one of the few things that there's, it's binary. It's a yes, no. Most things in life are not perfect. And so for me, I think law of attraction is about being open to things coming to your life and, and inviting things into your life without any inhibition. And so I invited into my life being with my then girlfriend and now wife of how many years have we been married? Uh, 12 years. Yeah. Um, because, because I saw that movie and because I let down any barriers that I had. And so law of attraction works the best when we are open, 
when we are not closed off. And so a lot of people say, say yes to everything. And I, and I don't actually disagree with that in principle. So long as we know that when we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. And so sometimes we need to be mindful of the things we're saying yes to and really ask, is this the right thing? But I, I do like the premise of being more open than closed, saying yes more often than no, and being ready to accept things that come into our life that we may not know the reason it's here, but there's a reason. And so for me, the law of attraction is about openness and it's about awareness and it's about making things that may or may not make sense to us, um, making them or giving them the chance to make sense to us. Mm -hmm. Because if we are constantly resisting and thinking of all the reasons why we can't, shouldn't, or won't do something, we're going to live a life built around negativity, scarcity, and lack. Instead, I suggest living a life based on abundance and complete um, fulfillment and this, this notion of anything is possible, limitless possibilities, right? And so that happens when we don't put conditions or barriers around the things that we do in our lives. Yeah, I completely agree. Just being open to like dream big, you know, like Elon Musk, like everyone, just anything's possible. So, yeah. But you have to take action on it. <laughs> it, it, it. Well, yes. I mean, here's the thing. The, the, the thing I'll say is that we live in a world where there could be the same idea that two people have, but the difference between those two people is the execution of those ideas. And this is why I'm never worried about sharing secrets because I know that the difference between me and somebody else and the difference between that person and, and another person is the way in which they fulfill whatever it is they're trying to fulfill. And so execution matters. And this show is all about taking action. And I agree because momentum is something that happens when a human being puts in motion something. It could be anything. It could be a podcast. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be a career. It could be a business. And, and, and so all too often, we are waiting for the perfect environment, the perfect setting, as I just mentioned, and they don't take that initial action. So yes, in, initial action matters. And that's why starting with action matters. But then how do you then continue to take action through execution and through learning and through feedback and through observation and testing and making sure that you have a really good system in place to be able to continue to take smart steps towards an end goal? Because the journey that you're on is the destination, not the other, other way around. So when you're focused on making the journey the best journey it could be where you're having fun, where you're helping people be their best, where you're empowering people to let their superpower shine through and you're giving people opportunities to shine, then you are creating an environment where the success that you have is a result of continuous action that's informed on observation and testing and all those things that I just mentioned. And so businesses that are the most successful are the ones that don't live in a vacuum and live in their own bubble where they think everything that they create and everything they come up with is the perfect thing. They're, the best businesses are the ones that incrementally improve based on data and feedback and inputs that 
allow them to make nimble adjustments and continue to iterate and make themselves and their product and their services better today than it was yesterday. Yeah, completely agree. But um, yeah, I also have any questions. I mean, it's this podcast, this episode is definitely a lot of action steps to take. Um, I'm thinking if I should change my last question that I ask every guest since um, started to change, like trying to add the action steps in between the podcast. But a question I ask every guest is what challenge do they have for listeners at the end to like take action Ooh. on after the podcast? Could be anything. Yeah, so I think the, the, the thing that I would say is don't look at your life with a narrow and a low altitude view. Instead, look give yourself a high altitude point of view of your of your life. And what I mean by that is we're often moving in a direction that is the thing that we need to do today right now. And we are making decisions based on what we need to do to get this particular thing done because that particular thing needs to be done today. And while there's always going to be some of that, I think the, 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 the visionaries that do the most remarkable things, they're looking 200, 300, 400 years into the future. And while that may be you know, a, a, a nice goal to have, I suggest looking at least 10 years out. And so this action step that I suggest is write out the person that you will be in 10 years. What will the job be? What will the, what will the impact you're make, making on the planet be? What will the things that you will accomplish be? What will the relationships be? What will your anything, anything and be as specific as possible? Where do you live? Who do you live with? Do you have a family? What, what's most important to you? I mean, literally write your life story as, and, and, and think of it from a perspective of if you were going to write an article about you and that article was going to be in a major magazine, your favorite magazine, your favorite newspaper, and this said everything that you do, write that out and be really, really specific because law of attraction happens with intentionality. And when we can see something. There's a reason why people have vision boards and there's a reason why people do affirmations. And there's a reason why people constantly remind themselves of who they want to be. And so the, the action and the activity I would suggest is write out specifically who you are in the future, 10 years from now, or you could choose five years, five or 10 years. And then the second part is once you've written that out, write a, or, or record a selfie video of yourself 10 years in the future and you describing who you are. What's that? I actually haven't done that. Like, I've nice. Nice. I just, I'm, I'm doing it for a, my YouTube channel. I'm doing that only for a month in the future, mm-hmm. but talk to yourself and in, in that, like, Hey, this is what I have accomplished. Hey, Hey, you know, Hey presence, you're talking to yourself. Hey, Billy. Hey, Billy. When you see this, you will have done this. You will have met this person. You will have gotten this job. You will have started a family. You will have gone to this university. You will have whatever it is that's most important to you. And describe it, talking to yourself, and put that in a time capsule somewhere where you can see it. Put it on a drive or some somewhere in the cloud. And then know that that's there. Know that after 10 years or even five years, you're going to look at that 
And you want to be able to look at that and say, yes, I did do all those things. Because the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with is you don't want to be on your deathbed, hate that term, but like at the end of your days, and imagine you were to meet the person that you could have been. Imagine you were to meet the person that did all the things that you say you want to do in the next 10 years, but you didn't do them. Because that's what people regret. People don't regret much other than the the relationships that they have damaged or the things that they've said. I ask that question a lot. Like, what do you, do you have any regrets? And often it's not anything other than the relationships and, and what they've said to people. And so make that a part of what you talk about. It's the relationships. It's who you are, who's most important to you. And so make sure that that's part of it as well, because when you do this, what you're effectively doing is you're reminding yourself of the person that you're meant to be and you're in control. You have the pen in your hand. You have the keyboards at your fingertips. You get to write your life story, not someone else. You literally can write out every everything. Are you going to write books? Are you going to make movies? Are you going to be a CEO? Are you going to be a founder? Are you going to do a, be a podcaster? Are you going to, um, what are you going to do? What are you, who are you? And write it out as clearly as, as you possibly can. And then make that video of yourself talking to yourself 10 years in the future. And it's fun to do. So, yeah. Okay. So everyone go and take action. And how can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Sure. Well, the first thing I'll suggest is find me on LinkedIn, uh, Billy Samoa Salibi. You could find me there and, and send a connection request. And uh, I'm going to do a secret word. Uh, send the secret word. Um, why don't you come up? What's the secret word? Give me a secret word that you want them to say. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, I'm I'm so bad at thinking on the spot. Um, something okay. create something uh, linking action and insight. Um, insight leads to action. Okay, insight leads to action. So put that in the direct message, and then connect with me. I love meeting people. I love meeting people no matter where you're at in your career, your life trajectory, whatever it is, find me there. I also, you know, I have my, my podcast. So, you know, if you are curious about life-changing insights, listen to Inside Out. If you're a podcaster, listen to For the Love of Podcasts. If you want to make a podcast, send me a direct message. Uh, as I said, I'm starting an agency in a, in a, in a design company that was going to help people produce podcasts. Um, my website's Billy Samoa, so you can find me there, um, and all the links will be there. Um, and, and presence, I just got to say, I love, 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 love the way you are super curious. You have really thoughtful questions. I can tell you, you really do want to learn and, and learn from specific action steps that will help people in their lives. And I just applaud you for going on this journey and being um, willing to ask questions about people and learning their stories and, and allowing their stories to serve as a guide for people to, uh, learn from and, and, you know, make their lives that much more rich as a result. So kudos to you for doing what you're doing. I'm so impressed and, and so honored to be on your show. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly.
So you just listened to another awesome episode and I would say go and listen to another one, but no. Don't even think about listening to another episode. Go and take action now. And if you want to share with me what you did, then feel free to tag me on a post on Instagram at presence underscore it starts with action. And yeah, until next time, guys. And remember, it starts with action. 